Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. If you got a Bible, I want you to turn to one spot, and we're only going to read one verse in that one spot, Proverbs chapter 4. And I'll tell you which verse in just a moment. This weekend, we're kicking off our series on wisdom entitled The Sage or the Fool. We're going to spend the next two months in this series, and we're going to cover a lot of ground. This weekend, I'm really trying to kind of give the preface to the series and lay a little bit of a foundation that is aimed at helping us understand the importance of godly wisdom in our everyday lives. Now... We're going to take a lot of notes in this series. There's a lot of one-liners in this message. And one of the things I want you to do before we really get into this message, and some of you, this is going to stretch you just a little bit, all right? The title of this message is Get Wisdom. Get Wisdom. And I want us to do something before I even read you uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. I want you to find two people around you. Okay? And I want you to think for a moment about an area in your life where you most need God's wisdom in this season of life. And then I want you to share it with two people. All right. Now, the goal would be to kind of talk with two people that you didn't come to church with, because if you do this with two people you came to church with, that's called cheating in the house of the Lord, and you don't want to cheat God, right? Remember, we come to lift up the name of Jesus, but we also come to be the family of God, right? So if, if you don't feel comfortable with something like this, just tell the people, the two people that are trying to talk to you and maybe come across as annoying, just tell them, get away from me. And, and they'll, they will, okay? But this is really designed to, to help us all understand that we need wisdom in every area of our lives, but many of us, we don't even ask God on a daily basis for wisdom. And so I want you just to kind of hear yourself say, Here's an area of my life where right now in this season, I most need wisdom, all right? So I'm going to give you about two minutes, find two people around you, and I just want you to think about one area, introduce yourself, tell them something about you, and then tell them one area of your life where you most need God's wisdom. Two minutes.
One more minute. One more minute. Don't worry, we're going to do something with this at the end of the message. So you don't need to pray with anybody yet. We're going to do it at the end. All right, start landing the plane. Let me read you Proverbs chapter four, verse seven. We're gonna read this one verse because it's such an important verse. And in this series, I'm gonna challenge every one of you over the next two months to read through the book of Proverbs at least one time. If you really get after it, you can read through the book of Proverbs in in a couple of hours in a day, but at least one time over the next two months, because we're going to read a lot of Proverbs over the next two months. Proverbs chapter four, verse seven says this, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And I'm convinced this next part was written by a Texan. And in all you're getting, get understanding. That just sounds like somebody from Texas right there. Therefore, get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. Therefore, get wisdom. The title of this message is Get Wisdom. What you just did in talking with a couple of people saying, here's an area in my life where I most need God's wisdom in this season of life. You admitted your need for wisdom. See, the first step in getting wisdom, and we're going to talk about this later in the message, is admitting you need it. And getting godly wisdom is a lot easier than you think. Now, next weekend, we're going to talk about the beginning of wisdom, which scripture says is the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to preach on the fear of God, which is one of the most misunderstood things in the church. But this weekend, we're going to kind of answer four foundational questions as it relates to wisdom. And here's question number one. What is it? What is wisdom? My favorite word and one of the most used biblical words for wisdom is the word Sophia. And it means this, knowledge which makes skillful and successful activity or performance possible. Now, I want to, in this first point, answering this first question, kind of differentiate between uh, knowledge and wisdom, because a lot of people think they're synonymous, that wisdom is knowledge and knowledge is wisdom, but they are completely different things. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is like the difference between a know-it-all and a does-it-well. Have you ever been around a know-it-all before? Have you ever noticed how they know more than they can actually do successfully? Like they, they just know everything about everything, but they don't actually do anything very well, but they just know it all. Knowledge knows what and where. Wisdom knows how and why. Knowledge is impressively intellectual, but wisdom is brilliantly practical. Think about that for a minute. Wisdom is not designed to impress. Wisdom is designed by God to lead to the best outcome. What is wisdom? Here's the most simple way to say it. Wisdom 
is learning God's way of doing things. When you ask for wisdom, when you ask God to grant you wisdom, what you're saying is, would you show me how you would do it? If you are a know-it-all, you are headed for destruction, I promise you. Because when we have a know-it-all spirit, we don't ask for wisdom very much because we think we have plenty of it. I used to be in that camp. I used to think that I had to be a know-it-all. I had to have all the, the answers to the questions. The problem with that is you rarely ask for wisdom because you're too insecure to admit you need it. Okay, what is wisdom? Very simply, it's learning God's way of doing things. Here's the second question. Who should care about it? Who should care about wisdom? Let me give you three people or types of people that should really care about wisdom. Here's the first one. Those who want to be happy. How many of you woke up this morning and said, I would like to be miserable? Anybody? I know you feel miserable this morning, maybe, but you didn't wake up going, you know what my goal is today? To be miserable. That's what I would like. I'd like everybody to notice that I am miserable. No, nobody says that. We all want to be happy, right? Look what scripture says about wisdom and happiness. Happy, Proverbs 3.13 says, is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Here's what you need to understand about wisdom. Wisdom does not give you a longer life, but wisdom dramatically improves your quality of life. When you walk in wisdom, scripture says you're going to be more happy. Now, the, the literal word here is blessed. How many of us want to be blessed? Okay, when you walk in wisdom, it dramatically increases the chances you live the blessed life. Simply by walking in wisdom, Proverbs 3.13 says. I don't know if, if you're like this, but I'm kind of a, a, a seasoning salt kind of a guy. I put seasoning salt, especially crushed red pepper. That's like my favorite thing in the world. We have this crushed red pepper grinder. I put it on everything except my cereal, okay? And if, if seasoning salt doesn't go on it, then soy sauce does. That's my rule. Like, those two things go on everything in my house. I, I just, I like to add a little bit of flavor to everything I eat. If I come to your house and you think you have cooked up this amazing dish that needs no help, I'm going to help it. Because <laughs> I just like seasoning salt. Okay, listen, wisdom is one of life's greatest additives. Wisdom makes everything taste better. The second kind of person who should care about wisdom are those who want a successful future. How many of you, after waking up this morning and saying, I want to be miserable today, then said, I want to be a failure tomorrow? If that's you, at the end of the service, we're going to have altar ministry. We would love to pray over you, Eeyore. Nobody wakes up and says, I would like to be a failure tomorrow. Listen to what scripture says about future success and wisdom. Proverbs 24, 13. Eat honey, my son, for it is good. The, the message translation says, eat bluebell, my son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is sweet to your soul. If, 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 if you find wisdom, there is a future hope for you. And your hope will not be cut off. 
Wisdom is essential to successfully navigating the unexpected twists and turns of tomorrow. Wisdom helps you to know what to do with things you don't see coming. Why? God knows all and sees all. He knows the end from the beginning. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts higher than your thoughts. There's a way, Scripture says, that seems right to you, but in the end it leads to death. But God knows the right way to the finish line he has for you. And wisdom is the roadmap he gives you to get there. When you find wisdom, when you walk in wisdom, it dramatically increases your odds of succeeding both today and tomorrow. Here's the third type of person that needs to care about wisdom. Those who love you some you. Remember when T.O. said years ago, Terrell Owens, he said, I love me some me. I kind of like that phrase, and I think some of us should adopt that a little bit more, not in a proud or arrogant way, but do you think there's anything wrong with loving you? Like, I I know you're going to give me the church answer and go, no, I don't think there's anything wrong, but probably close to half of the people in this church have a problem loving themselves. Just think about this for a second, how unscriptural that is. If Jesus thought it was so appropriate to love you, that he felt the best way to show it was to die for you, why would you ever have a problem loving you if Jesus loves you like that? If you love you, one of the ways you know it is how you handle wisdom. That's what scripture says, Proverbs 19, verse 8. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. Okay, let's, let's flip that around. Someone who does not get wisdom, what does that mean? What does that say about whether or not they love their soul? If getting wisdom is the evidence of loving your soul, then not seeking wisdom is the evidence of not loving your soul. (coughs) Listen, wisdom makes everything you are and everything you do better. And if you don't love wisdom, I'm not sure you can make the case that you love yourself. If you don't love wisdom, I don't think you can make the case that you love the people around you as much as you think. Because the wisdom of God makes everything you are and everything you do better. And if you love everybody around you as much as you say you do, you should love wisdom. Because the more of it you get, the better you are for all of them. Psalm 139 makes a really strong statement, and I love the way the the NLT translates it. You probably memorized it, fearfully and wonderfully made, but the New Living translates it like this. God, you made me wonderfully complex. I think that especially applies to women, personally. David says, you made me wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Okay, David loved him some him. It's a good thing. He was celebrating the creation of his creator. He said, you've made me wonderfully complex. Think about this for a moment. The more complex something is, the more you need wisdom to steward it. God made you incredibly complex on purpose. Here's another way to say it. You're seriously high maintenance. God made you that way. You need wisdom. 
the wisdom that comes from God to steward this incredibly complex thing called you. David knew it, and so should I. The more I love me and the people around me, the more I better love wisdom for my sake and for theirs. Here's the third question. Where is wisdom found? Where is wisdom found? If, if you're on the older end of the spectrum, uh, don't acknowledge what I'm about to say because this will, will age us. Uh, yes, I'm on that side of the aisle. I, I said to somebody this morning in the lobby, uh, when, you, when your youth pastor gets close to 30, you're officially a middle age. That, that's, I am officially a middle-aged man, and so I'm owning it, okay? I'm celebrating. I just like to call it my prime. You know what I'm saying? If you're older than me, don't acknowledge this. But a couple of years ago, there was this really ugly shoe that got popular. And I mean, I'm talking like the ugliest shoe I've ever seen in my entire life. The shoe was called Yeezy. A Yeezy. I don't even know what that means. Yeezys is what they were called. And they were the rage for a while, okay? And they were like four or $500 a pair. And my sons came home one day from school and they're like, Daddy, we need a pair of Yeezys. I was like, over my dead body, am I spending $500 on a pair of shoes you're gonna grow out of in less than 60 days? No. So you know me, I got on the internet and did a little research. I found that you could buy Yeezys in another part of the world for about 40 bucks. So I did. I ordered a pair for everybody in my house, except me, of course. They show up, and I mean, you can't even tell they're not the real thing. I'm looking at pictures of real Yeezys online. You couldn't tell. My boys wore them to school the next day. Every kid that saw their shoes called them feezies. Fake Yeezys. The kids just knew. They knew they weren't real. Okay? Now, let me help you really understand something about wisdom. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And as it relates to wisdom, there's a lot of imitation going around. But there is only one, capital O, true source of wisdom. Let me show it to you in Scripture. Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord, the Lord grants wisdom. Not some self-help book. Not Tony Robbins. That, that's, that's great. I'm a learner. I want to learn from anybody I can. But only God grants real wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is not found in a book. Wisdom is found in the author. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Isaiah chapter 40. God, in Isaiah 40, gives a small sliver of his divine resume. And I want you to see what he says about himself in verse 28. He says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Okay, how can it be said that no one can measure the depths of God's understanding and wisdom? It isn't just that God has all wisdom. It's that God's wisdom is infinite. It is unsearchable. No one will ever come to the end of it. Okay, this is important to remember before we get to question number four. God has more than enough wisdom for all of us. 
He is rich in wisdom. There is no one richer. He is infinite in wisdom. No one can search the depths of his understanding. He's got all of it, and it all comes from him. Now remember that as we answer question number four. All right? We're going to spend a little bit of time here. Question number four. How do I get it? How do I get it? Here's the first answer. You recognize how badly you need it. You recognize how badly you need wisdom. That's the first step to getting wisdom. I tell myself frequently in this pulpit, and and so this is not going to be any different. Years ago, probably in my early 20s, there's no doubt in my teen years and my early 20s, I had a know-it-all spirit. And I, I carried myself as one who knew everything because truth be told, I was afraid I'd be found out that I didn't know anything. And so I overcompensated and that's usually what know-it-alls are doing. But there was a, a certain season uh, early on at Gateway in Dallas where I was sitting in meetings well above where uh, my position was really supposed to be sitting. And I, Pastor Robert would start asking me questions from time to time, what do you think? And there was a couple month period where I was kind of on fire, where he would ask me and I would say something and everybody in the room who was much higher organizationally than me kind of latched on to something I said, said, that's, that's good, that's good, we, we need to think about it. we need to do that. Okay, and that happened several times over a couple of months. And here's what I started to think when I would go into the meetings. Man, I got that right, I got that right, I got that right, I think I'm always right. I just started getting really cocky. I got that right, and here's what I learned. When you think, I got that right, I got that right, I got that right, it kind of transitions to this phrase. I got this. God, I got this. Instead of walking into a meeting praying for wisdom, I was walking into meetings going, I got wisdom. Like, let's see what I say in this meeting. So you go from, I got it right, to I got this, And then here's where that leads next. Unfortunately, I've had to learn the hard way several times God's process of humbling. And here's the next phrase that comes out of your mouth in this process. I get it all from you. I get it all from you. A couple of times, I got kind of embarrassed because something I said was so wrong and so foolish. And I honestly think it was because the Lord just backed up and went, since you got it, let's just see how it goes. And so I would just say something. And, and one time, someone called me out in front of everybody and I got really embarrassed. And I really think the Lord was just kind of chuckling. Not in a mean way, but just going, I just want you to see, Preston, anytime you say something wise, it's not because you are wise, it's because I granted you wisdom. Son, you need to live every day of your life asking for wisdom, but you'll never ask for it if you don't realize you're in need of it. Humility is the bedrock of a life of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must, he must, he must, he must, If he thinks he's wise, become foolish so that he may actually 
become wise. If you don't walk in humility, you will never grow in wisdom. The first big step in walking in wisdom is to recognize how badly I need it. So here's a tough question. On a typical day, how many times a day do you ask God for wisdom? How many times do you stop yourself and say, God, I don't know what to do here. I have some ideas, but I don't know what's best. God, would you, would you give me wisdom? How many times a day do you do that? How many times a day do I do that? Here's the problem. If I don't do that in a typical day, here's the statement I'm, I'm making to God. I don't need your wisdom. I've got enough all on my own. See, the sooner you get to the place where you say, God, I don't know what to do, will you show me? The more he will show you. We must recognize our need for God's wisdom. Here's the second posture in getting wisdom. You have to prize it like the treasure it is. Proverbs 16, verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? You know how many people are chasing money? The Bible says, how much better is wisdom than getting gold? How much better getting good judgment than silver? Proverbs 4, verse 8, prize her, speaking of wisdom, highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Okay, simple question. Do you prize wisdom? Here's something you need to know about me. Uh, I, when the Lord, when I feel he gives me a nugget of wisdom, I call them one-liners. When the Lord gives me a one-liner, usually the people around me will know because I, come, I become the biggest nerd on the planet. There are times I'll be studying at the house in my office and I'll, I'll feel the Lord drop a bomb in my lap, just a nasty one-liner, and I will rip open the door run into whatever part of the house Holly's in, and I'll be like, babe, 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 you gotta hear this. This is nasty. Okay, the first time I did that, she's like, it's disgusting? Okay, that's like a compliment to me. I'm like, babe, this is incredible. You gotta hear this, and then I'll share it. And I used to think something was a little bit wrong with me because I I didn't have a ton of people in my life who kind of acted like that. But here's what I learned. It's simply because they weren't prizing wisdom. How do you respond when you don't know what to do and God gives you the wisdom to know what to do. You know how you should respond? Like a little child. When you don't know how to make that deal happen at work and God grants you the wisdom to do it in an unorthodox way, you shouldn't do this right here. Eh. Thanks, God. You should act like a child on the inside and maybe even on the outside sometimes and go, oh my goodness, I didn't know what to do. God granted me the wisdom. Okay. This is the behavior of someone who prizes wisdom. Now think about this. As a dad, who would you give the most wisdom to? The person who never asks for it and kind of treats it with contempt, like, eh. Or the person who acts like a little child, a, a little nerd, a silly little nerd, going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, that's nasty. Okay, I would shower that one with wisdom. Why? Because they prize it. They're showing they don't just want it. They're showing they value it. Have you ever watched two different people 
treat the same asset totally differently? Like everybody in their life has that one person in their life whose car looks like a bomb went off, you know? The people who that's you, you're, you're feeling the spirit of conviction fall right now. I'm not trying to come at you, I promise. But you know what I'm talking about. You get into their car. I was with somebody uh, at another church and I was going to lunch after the services and their kids were going with us and we, we get into the car and one of the kids who was like seven years old goes, Dad! This is the most clean I've ever seen your car. <laughs> I was like, hey, bro, I get it. I totally get it. But we all have that, that kind of one person whose car is just an absolute mess. Then we also have that one person in our lives who waxes their vehicle once a month and washes it after every storm 10 minutes after the clouds go away, right? Okay, it's the same asset, but it's treated completely differently. This is how wisdom is treated. Many people treat it by putting very little value on it. But I want you to think about this for a minute. If wisdom only comes from God, why would we ever treat it as having little value? Well, Preston, how do I know that I see wisdom as being valuable. You celebrate it whenever you get it. And you give credit where credit is due. You don't say, see, I knew what to do. You say, God, thank you. I didn't know what to do. Thank you for giving me the wisdom to know how to handle this situation. That's what prizing wisdom looks like. Heavenly wisdom will always be more valuable than worldly wealth. We've got to treat it as such. Here's the third thing we have to do to get wisdom. We have to live in the word. We have to live in the word. Psalm 19, verse 7, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Okay, here's one of the mistakes as it relates to wisdom. Too many believers think you have to be a genius to have it. You don't have to be a genius to have wisdom. You just have to be a humble learner. Scripture says that the Bible makes wise the simple. So if you're someone who is like me, my, my philosophy going through school was C's get degrees. I'm not as smart as most of you. You are smarter than I am. But you know what I've learned? I, I have some really smart friends who have no wisdom at all. <laughs> They're book smart, but they have no street smart. They have no wisdom. They don't know how to apply what they know. Okay, listen, if you feel like a simpleton, the more you live in the word, scripture says, the more wise you will be. The less word you have in your daily diet, the less wisdom you'll have throughout your day. Let's think about this for a second. Go back to, to when you were in school. And for many of us, the worst part of school was what? Tests, right? And you remember that feeling you'd have when you felt underprepared? And just as you're about to start the test, the teacher made the announcement. This is going to be an open book test. Now, for the really smart ones, they got disappointed and frustrated, right? For those of, of you like me, you celebrated out loud. There is a God in heaven and he is clearly in this place, okay? 
Why? Because every test is easier when it's open book. Okay, think about it this way. If every day is like a test, then every day in which I start my day in the word of God, that test becomes open book. If you loved open book tests that much back in school, and if every day of life is a test, and God handed us the book to make every test an open book, why would I not start my day in that book? Even if it's just a chapter, why would I ever start a day without opening up that book? Listen, I think he let me be simple so that I would understand the value of open book tests so that as I got to this season of life, I would never desire to take a test without opening up the book. Listen, one of the best ways to find wisdom is to live a life where you are daily opening up and living out God's word because his instructions are perfect. Every page of scripture has wisdom written all over it, except for a few pages in Leviticus. But other than that, I'm just kidding. Every page, his instructions are perfect. Okay, if you want wisdom, live in the word. And then here's the last and the most easy thing to do if you want to have wisdom. Ask God for it. Ask God for it. James 1 verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Many of you know that one of my favorite people in scripture is Solomon. It's not because he had a bunch of wives and concubines, okay? It's because he is widely known as the most wise man in all of scripture. And my three, probably of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, just so happen to be Matthew chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 40, and 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 is the story of Solomon as he replaces his daddy, who was the best king in Israel's history, and Solomon is now king. And one of the first things that Solomon does as king is instead of just making a sacrifice to the Lord, he makes a thousand sacrifices to the Lord. And that night, 1 Kings 3 tells us, God visits Solomon in a dream. And God says to him this, ask me anything you want, I'll give it to you. Think about that for a minute. Ask me for anything you want, I'll give it to you. Solomon, without hesitation, says, you've been so good to my father. You promised him that someone from his family would sit on this throne forever. If you'll let me ask for anything, would you give me an understanding heart? Would you give me wisdom to lead your people for who among us could lead your people without it? God, would you give me wisdom? God said he could ask for anything he wanted. And he didn't ask for wealth. He asked for wisdom. Why? Because a spender asks for money. A steward asks for wisdom. And if you read 1 Kings 3, you see God's response to this request. The Bible says God was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. James 1, 5 says, if you need wisdom, if you don't know what to do, 
ask God for wisdom. Some of us don't ask God for wisdom because we think he'll be disappointed when we admit we don't know what to do. It's the opposite. First Kings 3 says, God was pleased Solomon asked for wisdom. You know what that means? That every time you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do and you hit the pause button and you say, God, would you grant me wisdom in this situation? Help me know what to do. Not only does God get, not get mad, he is so pleased with your response because you are saying, just tell me what you want me to do. Show me your way of doing this. So here's what we're going to do. Since God is pleased when we ask for wisdom. At the beginning of the message, you started by saying, here's the number one area where I most need wisdom. Now I want you to find the same two people. And we're going to spend a couple of minutes praying with one another that God would give us wisdom. I want you to pray over the other two people in your group over the two areas where they said, this is where I need wisdom. Let's all ask God and let's ask for one another and let's believe God will give it to us and let's see what happens. So I'm gonna give you a couple of minutes, find the same couple of people you talked to at the beginning of the message. And I want you to just have a time of prayer. I'm gonna give you a few minutes. You acknowledge the area where you need wisdom. Now let's pray with one another believe together that God would grant his wisdom. Pray the hottest prayer you can pray. Pray over them the way you want them to pray over you. You don't have to beg God for it. You can just ask him sweetly and simply for it.
All right, a little less than a minute left. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.